Hello, everyone. Um, I'm so glad that you were able to join us today. Um, and today I'm really excited about sharing this message because it is something that God has been putting in my heart. Um, I would say throughout the years, um, but especially in this last season where there is so much going on and I always find myself in this, you know, topic of needing God. And as we have been, you know, going through this series on Jesus upside down values um, and how we are to live in a culture that influences us with so many things that are, you know, so different from the gospel. Today, I want to focus on what it means to, instead of living a life that is self-reliant, that is just so focused on ourselves, on what we have, um, instead of doing that, how does it look like to live a life that is God-reliant, a life that when we do not have enough or the, when we do not have anything, um, we can rely on God. And, and thank you so much, Gabby, for reading the scripture. Um, in this message that was read, we see how there was a need of food. But today, I want us to reflect not only on you know being self-reliant or God-reliant when it comes to that physical need that we have you know it can be money or food or something physical but also to reflect on the emotional part on the spiritual part many of us in this season of COVID has gone through difficult times in life and we have found ourselves in need of a God that will provide that that we need um in the moment. And so before we start, I want to give you a little bit of a context on this passage. As many of you know, um, the four first books of the New Testament are called the Gospels. Mm -hmm. And each Gospel is written by a different author, which is awesome because we get to see different people sharing from their own experience and their own eyes of what they have lived close to Jesus. So it's awesome that, you know, sometimes these stories are not in all of these books, but in this specific case, um, the multiplication of food is in all the Gospels. So I'm going to be, you know, um, sharing a little bit of the other Gospels and what happened there too. And so let me go back. Okay, so here we have the context, right? And you might have heard in the past about the five W's, but today we're going to focus only on three, so it's easy for us to remember. The first one is where, the second one is what, and the third one is who. So as we see here, and as I was reading the four different Gospels on this story, all of them say the same thing. They were all um, walking towards, you know, this mountain. Jesus brings the disciples, brings this crowd um, to the top of this mountain. And there is where they are located at the moment of this story. Now, what are they doing? It's a very, you know, easy question as we read the scripture. They are doing ministry. They are teaching the crowd about the kingdom of God. In other gospels, um, they say that there were people that were sick and they were healing them. They were doing miracles. And finally, we see that what is happening here is that people are in need of food, right? And then the last one and the third one is the who. And who are the people that are in this story? We see Jesus, we see the disciples, and we see the large crowd. 
right? So it's a very obvious um, context as we can read the scripture, but many times when we are reading scripture, we do not have the time to pause and reflect on what's going on throughout the story. Sometimes we read it and it takes us 20 seconds, 30 seconds to read through a story, but we don't have the time to pause and meditate and put ourselves on the shoes of the people that experience um, this story close to Jesus. So that's what I want to do today in this time that we have together. I want to I want to take us through the story and really pass on each part of what's going on. So the first part that I see here in this story is what I call the test or the in-between. So they were doing ministry. And what I love is that one of the gospels says that they were doing this, um, you know, this time, they were having this time with, with the people, with the crowd um, for hours. And so it was getting dark. It was, you know, the sun was coming down. People were going to start to be hungry and they needed to feed them, right? They needed to have something for them. But this is the test. You know, this is the pivotal moment of the story when Jesus asked Philip, where are we to buy bread? so that these people may eat. That is in John 6, 5. And then right after in John 6, 6, he says, it says, he said this to test him for he himself knew what he would do. And I love it and I call it the in-between because the, the disciples, for the eyes of the disciples, they were having a great day. They were, you know, um, teaching them, there were healings. It was a successful time. If you think about it for a minute, they had a great outcome. They have a great experience. And now the people were hungry and, you know, they were supposed to send them to the villages. That's what one of the other gospels says. We should just send them to the villages for them to eat. We had a great day. We call it a day. Everything was amazing. Everything was awesome. And that's great. But Jesus says, no, we're going to feed them. And he asked one of the disciples, where are we going to buy bread, right? And he, knowing what he was going to do, he doesn't do it right away. I want to focus on that today because there is a moment that even though Jesus knew what he was going to do, he hasn't done it yet. And he asked the disciples, where are we to buy bread so that these people may, may eat? And a lot of times I find myself in this in-between moment, right, where I know God can do something, but he's not doing it, where I know God can provide, but he hasn't provided exactly what I needed yet. And I want us to now see the answer, which I think um, many of us will respond in this way, right? So Philip answered him. 200 denarii worth of bread will not be enough for each of them to get a little. Now, 200 denarii was six months of salary. So imagine you find yourself in this position of being the disciples where Jesus is asking you, okay, what are we going to do, right? How are we going to feed them? And I think Philly was a person that was a matter of fact person, a person that perhaps was very logical. Maybe he liked numbers, you know what I mean? And I, I'm like that a lot of the time. A lot of the time where I'm faced with a test, with a difficulty, with a circumstance where I'm not sure what to do, I rely a lot on the numbers, on an Excel sheet. I 
trying to organize things. I see the possibilities that are very logical. That's how my brain works. And if you relate to that, you might relate to Philip a lot as well. Our answer to the test and the circumstances that we face in life are many times very much logical. And then we have another disciple, Andrew. This is when he responds. There is a boy here who has five very loves and two fish, but what are they for so many? So, you know, they see that they do not have the money to buy the food. And even, you know, I was reading some commentaries and one scholar mentioned like, even if they had the money, you know what I mean? Even if they had it, where were they gonna buy it? Because they were on the top of the mountain as we just read the context, right? So they, they didn't have the money, but they also didn't have where to buy it. And they only find, and they find themselves with only five loaves of bread and two fish. So this is what is going on in the story. And, you know, I think like many, many times we will respond, this will be our answer to what is happening. And as I just shared in the beginning, we are going through this series called Jesus Upside Down Values. And so we are trying to see and learn and, and just um, learn from the scriptures what it looks like for us to live a life that it's not influenced by the world and what and by what the world says that we should do, but what it looks like for us to live a life that it's, you know, guided by Jesus' upside down values. And this is my favorite part of the scripture. This is the part where I get excited because it's, it's just so um, real in, in the scripture, but it's so hard for us to understand that in our everyday life, right? And it says, Jesus said, have the people sit down. Now let's pass for a second. He hasn't made any miracles yet. He hasn't done anything. He's asking the disciples to um, sit the people, right? Without food. And it says, now there was much grass in the place. So the men sat down, about 5,000 in number. So I want us to pause for a minute here because when I read this and I see how the disciples obey Jesus. So Jesus asked the question, right? He has the disciples in the in-between. What are we gonna do? The disciples answer, we have no idea. We have no money. We have no enough food. And then Jesus, okay, perfect. I heard your response. I heard your answer. Now have everyone sit. And so, it's just mind blowing to think that that could be something that we experience in our everyday life, right? This would be like, imagine you are hosting a party and all your food got burned and you don't really have food. And, you know, you just sat all the people there and there is no food and you're like, okay, everybody, we're going to start this meal. We're going to enjoy our meal together. And you, you know that there is no food. So this is what is happening. I want you to really understand and put yourself on the shoes of the disciples of how they needed to trust God, how they needed to um, not trust on what they had, on, on being self-reliant. Okay, we only have five loaves of bread and we only have two fish, but 
they had to be God reliant. They have to trust God. They have to be like, okay, we might not have what we need, but we have Jesus who is the son of God who has done miracles because at this point in the gospels, they have already seen Jesus do many miracles. So they, they could trust on that. And so they decide to obey Jesus and invite the people to sit, even though they didn't have food. And as the story um, continues, we just read that Jesus ends up providing not only what they needed, but they provided above and beyond what they needed. They said that there was even leftovers um, for the people and they were all filled. So we can see the outcome, right? But when I just read the three um, W's where I'm calling where, what, and who at the beginning, we saw it from the eyes of the story at the beginning, right? What was happening at the beginning um, of the story that we read. So now I, I wanna focus on the same words, but I wanna focus on the outcome. After Jesus has done the miracle, after Jesus has done um, what he wanted to do since the beginning and what does this look like, right? And so the first one is where, and it says that Jesus took the people to the mountain. There was a purpose for that. There was a reason for that. Jesus knew that if he probably took them to like the villages, they couldn't find ways to find food to maybe there were places where they could eat that were nearby. So Jesus knew that if, if they were taken to the mountain, to the top of this mountain, they wouldn't be able to, to provide for themselves in any way. He knew that where he was calling them, there had to be a miracle that happened, that there needed to be a miracle where God would be the one that was gonna provide. So that's the where. And I want you to think about it, you know, yes, from, from the eyes and, and the lenses of, of a scripture, but one of the things that I love when we are reading the Bible is that God continues to speak to us. So I want you to think all, to start thinking, and we're gonna do it at the end, the where, you know, where we are, physical place, location, right? And then the second one is the what. And it says the disciples trusted and obeyed Jesus. So yes, they were teaching the people. Yes, they were healing them. Yes, they were doing so many things. But the what, what they were going to be called to do, like on the bigger spectrum, on the bigger picture of this passage, was that the disciples were going to have to trust Jesus to have faith that he will provide. And I want us to focus only on the word obey, because many times we know that God can do something and we trust that God will do, but obeying means acting upon it. So it's not only having faith and not only knowing and not only trusting, but it's also acting upon it. It's doing something that it might not make sense, that it might not be familiar to other people, that it might not, you know, match the numbers, but they obeyed Jesus. And so that's what they did. They trusted and they also obeyed. They didn't have the food, but they asked the people to sit down for the meal. And then the last one is the who. When we started reading the message, that the, the passage, 
It was focused on Jesus talking to the disciples. He was asking them a question. He was testing the disciples. And that's the focus of the story when it begins. But when, we, when it ends, we see how the story turns the focus into like, yes, there was this impact on the disciples' life, but there was something bigger that Jesus was trying to portray in this story. And he was trying to impact the crowds. It says on verse 14, when the people saw the sign that he had done, they said, this is indeed the prophet who is to come the world. And this is very impactful for me because sometimes I focus on myself. I focus on what God may be doing in my life or what God may be doing in people that maybe are very close to me. But I don't think about what God wants to do through me in order to impact others, for them to know God, for them to know the gospel and who Jesus is. So I think it's a beautiful um, representation of how God loves so much his people that he will use us um, to, you know, to impact others around us. And that's where like the who comes into place. And so if you are like me, and I shared before that I'm a very logical matter of fact, I want to see it before I believe it person, um, you may be related to this theology that I wanted to share because it was very helpful for me, and I hope it will be helpful for you if you relate um, to the disciples and if you relate to me. It says, um, this theological framework um, it's a study among Old Testament scholars, and it's called Sine and Sion theology. And so just to give you a little, um, you know, examples, little examples about um, these two um, theologies. It's one theology, but it's very different in what Sine and Sion will mean. So the first one on the left side, it's Sine means there is like wilderness. They move by faith. If you think about this, they are the people of Moses, right? That they will move from one place to another. So there is this understanding of the Israelites being a people that will move um, in, in the land, that they will be led by the cloud in the day and the fire at night. You might remember this from scriptures that they even um, will... God will provide their food daily. So they were moved by miracles and faith. And so these will be the people that are just moved by faith, are just trusting God day by day. And then on the other completely side, which is the same group, the same Israelites from the Old Testament, now they move into a place of Zion. Now they are settled in Jerusalem. So they are not wandering in the desert, in the wilderness anymore. But now they are settled in Jerusalem. There is wisdom. Now you have David, you have the kings, um, you have order, and God is the maker of order. So you see this difference between moving by faith, acting on wisdom, and how there is these two different components, right? And we always talk with Pierre about this, that you know, Piero will lean a lot more to one side, which is like the faith part and, you know, trusting God and, and knowing that God will provide. And I, on the other side, lean a lot more on like wisdom and like God is the God of order and we should have order and all of this and we should be settled and like all of that. And I love it because, you know, when I learn about this theological framework, 
I was able to see how one group of people, the Israelites, was led by God in different seasons of their lives in different ways. So even though they were the same group of people, the same, you know, they were the people of God, they were led differently. And so right now, you know, now in, in the New Testament, we see the same thing. We see how even us now, we can move in both and we don't have to choose between one or the other. We don't have to be like, okay, I'm going to be all about faith and all about like, you know, trusting God every single, you know, day he will provide or no, I'm going to be all about wisdom and order, but we can have both and we can be people that yes, there is order and yes, there is wisdom and we can set up but when we need to trust God, when we need to move, when we need to just have faith and know that God will provide, we will move on that. So I think this, this for me was an eye-opening and a clear example of how we can be called to live both and, and not one or the other, right? And so to finish, um, I want to share it with you. A personal story where God had called us to really um, live in, in this in-between and to really trust God um, to provide. So we have been working in Manhattan, in New York City, for the last four years, I would say. And two years ago, um, we were living a, uh, an hour from, from the city, from Manhattan. I was studying in seminary. I was about to finish. And so God called us to move to the city and we had to choose. Um, we, you know, like we felt that God was calling us to a specific place and we pray about it. And especially Piero, you know, my husband was the one that he will always encourage me and, and you know, tell me that we have to trust God. For many of you, you might know that, you know, people in finance recommend you to spend 25, 30% of your budget on your rent, right? And for us both working in nonprofit in ministry, we honestly didn't make a lot of money and we ended up paying more than 50% on our rent. And we were like, this is insane. I told Pierre, like, this does not make sense. God cannot call us to do this. This is not from God. I was like so nervous at times. I was like, how are we gonna do? And then Piero always encouraged me, Andrea, pray about it, see God. And I had peace about it. Piero had peace about it. Things worked out in a beautiful way. And we ended up moving to a place in, in Manhattan, right? That was two years ago. And that's on the left side. It's our apartment. When we were moving to the apartment across us, our second apartment in Manhattan, where is where we live right now. And so just to share this, um, the reason why we're moving here is because it was across our apartment and it was an and it's an, a building that it's um, affordable housing. So people from low to medium income are able to apply to this place and through a lottery, they can get it. So long story short, you know, after we moved by faith, we were still, you know, having our budget, we we're being very conscious about our expenses and all of that in order to afford the place. God ends up providing this place where we live right now that it's on the right side. That's our view. The sky is beautiful. That's my favorite part. And that's where we are living right now, which has our first apartment had one bedroom. Now this apartment has three bedrooms and we pay 
two thirds of what we used to pay on the one bedroom apartment. And now, of course, it's not a 50%, it's probably closer to the 25, 30%. So I think it's just amazing how God provided not only what we needed, because we needed a place to live, especially when we had Leo, as you can see on the picture, Leo was only two months old when we moved. So we needed a place for us to live. We needed an extra room for Leo. So God provided a room for us, a room for Leo, our baby, and an extra room where we have been able to host so many people. Many of the people that have been in this, that are in this Zoom call, we have been able to host them and just, you know, share what God has given us. And if we think about it, we have hosted dozens of people like to stay here over the night or just to come and have a meal with us. So when we thought it was like a need for us, you know, we, we needed a place to live for us and our family. God ended up providing not only for us, but for others to enjoy the place. We had even people stay at our apartment without us staying here. So it was basically their apartment for a few days. So it's just been a blessing on how God provides. And this was my story. Um, and this was how God has done it in our life in this last season. But I want to spend the last minute um, on reflecting on your personal life and where you are right now um, in your journey. And this is the first question. There are two questions that I want us to think about it. And the first one is, what are my three wives? values what are my three values so the first one is my where where are you right now where is God think about it where is God calling me a location if you're in New York if you are somewhere else what work is he calling you like where are you in your work life um, and then think about what are you doing in this season what do you think God is doing in your life in this season and then finally who who is the people that God is calling you to impact, to share what he's giving you, to give away what he's giving you? Think about that for, for a few seconds. The second question is, in what way do I need Jesus to provide what I don't have or multiply what I barely have? And as we meditate in this question, um, I wanna close us on prayer. So let's close our eyes and just, as you continue to reflect, let's just pray for a minute. Jesus, we thank you that you are the God um, of Sinai and Zion, God. We thank you that you are the God that provides every single day our daily bread and that you are also the God of order, the God of Genesis, God, of creating the world in order, God. We thank you for that. And we pray today, Lord God, that we will be people of wisdom and faith, that we will not move to the right or to the left, without following your spirit, Lord God. God, for those of us that are struggling in this season, that we might feel a little bit lost, Lord God, 
I pray that you will come into our hearts, that you will remind us, that you will show us who you are, that you will show us the truth of your gospel, that you will show us the truth of who you are, and that we might encounter you, God, in powerful ways. I pray in Jesus' name, God, that you will take away our physical vision, the way that we have seen things because of the influence of this world and that we be able to switch from a spiritual vision that is provided by you and that we will be guided by the values of your kingdom, the values that are taught in scripture on the ways that you live, Jesus, on the ways that you guided your people. I pray all of this in your name. Amen.